0: Welcome to the Bonfire, I am your host Morgan aka Bon Diesel And this is a podcast about video game news, reviews, rumors, and speculation This week I'll be covering the Xbox Developer Direct, reactions, Suicide Squad's weird lead-up to release Power World is a really big hit, and much more A few things before we get started on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button and comment down below, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're on iTunes or Spotify, please leave a review. All five star reviews will get read from here on out, taking that from the Mass Effect Lorecast. Special thank you to all of the patrons and YouTube members, including Hassan, YouTube's Neuronix, PK, Cage Nephilim, and Horseman. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, consider becoming a member on YouTube, subscribing over on Twitch, or joining my Patreon or Ko-Fi at the link in the description. Gaming news. For Xbox, we had a relatively uh, interesting week. Uh, We had the Xbox Developer Direct. This was the second annual of these shows. And what this is, is it's supposed to be kind of a opportunity for the studios under Xbox. They're mostly their first party studios to kind of show you behind the curtain, to kind of show you the people actually making your games and to show you their games. Uh, So this year we had avowed Hellblade 2, ARA and Indiana Jones. Um, ARA is a third party game that's going to be temporarily exclusive. We also got a surprise showing of visions of mana uh, the 17th or 18th game in that series and uh, it's never been on xbox before so uh, it's pretty exciting Uh, going one by one avowed is an interesting one it looks like one that's going to be it's made by obsidian it's likely it's being described as the outer worlds fantasy basically so if you like the outer worlds you'll probably like this now the caveat there is that the Outer Worlds wasn't like a full AAA game. It's relatively short. The graphics and the animations and all of that are fine. They're too good, but not you know that tip-top tier that you're expecting um, from maybe a AAA game. Uh, and Avowed I think fits into that. It you know it looks fine. It has a cool color palette. They're definitely trying to do kind of like a not really cartoony because it is like realistic aesthetic it, they're, they're trying to make it exciting to look at uh, that said the graphics just look fine the animations are okay it's doing the kind of fallout the you know the old obsidian thing um, and so, you know, it's not going to be out there competing with the, uh, the Last of Us 2 or whatever the new, you know, big blockbuster graphical uh, showcase is. Um, but it looks like it could be a lot of fun. They really pushed the idea that choices you make are going to impact things later in the game. So we'll have to see if that's true or not. And um, I, I'm, I was left from a vow of I'm not really into that type of game. Uh, For me, something like a high fantasy uh, type of game, like even Baldur's Gate 3, I only like because it is so good where I don't even like Skyrim. So, you know, I'm probably not the target audience for this game, but it's going to be on Game Pass and I will absolutely try it out for at least a couple hours. So, not super hyped, but perfectly fine with a Avout. Then we had Hellblade 2. Um, another great showing, in my opinion. Uh, every time we see behind the scenes there, it's always really exciting. Um, it, this game, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, it's my early favorite to be my game of the year. And nothing has changed that. There is more to talk about with Hellblade, but we'll do that after uh, we talk about all of these. Uh, Visions of Mana showed. This is very obviously a third-party game. It's a Square Enix game. Um, But it's going to be on Xbox, and they were part of this developer direct. That's a pretty big deal. The icing on the cake would have been if, if they announced it was going to be Game Pass Day 1. They didn't do that. It would be weird for a game to show in this that isn't going to be Game Pass Day 1. Square Enix is also really close with Sony because of their Final Fantasy games. And so maybe it will be and they just aren't allowed to announce it yet maybe they're you know given some uh you know I, I don't know it probably won't be um it'll probably just be 70 bucks on day one but i think the big exciting thing is supposed to be that it's on xbox at all so i'll take it uh, the ra game is a 4x strategy game uh, like it's made by the, you know, some of the OG devs from the civilization series. So if that's your thing, this game looks amazing. Um, my issue with those games was always that you were, you play them from, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the, um, like that was it the hexagonal, um, uh, like, like uh, tiles on a map and you're building cities in them. And you're kind of just managing numbers. You're not necessarily managing units. Um, What they showed in this preview of the game is that it is like the 4X pulled back style of strategy game. But it seems like you can get way up in there and really control a lot of the, um, you know, the hands on things. So that had me a lot more excited than I've ever been for one of these types of games. And again, it comes down to that whole thing of if this just released just like every other game, I would never think about it again. It's going to be on Game Pass PC. I have ultimate I will absolutely download this and try it out I might only play it for a couple hours but I'm gonna try it and I may end up playing it for a hundred hours and and that's the beauty of it right uh, they wrapped up the show with the Indiana Jones game from machine games um, this was an interesting one um I was really hoping this was going to be a third-person game. Um, it's really interesting seeing some of the more like Xbox pundits be like, well, if it was third-person, everyone would just rip on it for being a copy of a PlayStation-style game. It's like, even though it's all they make, PlayStation doesn't own the third-person action-adventure game. It seems like they do, because Xbox, for whatever reason, stays so far away from that. Um, I, I don't get it, but... Or, they kind of stay away from it. They do have their own games, Gears of War and Sinua Saga, and so on. But it's funny that the defense of it being first person, in part, is people being like, well, people would say it's copying Sony. Look, Sony's obliterating this generation. I'm not saying I want Xbox to be Sony. I think Sony does a bunch of anti consumer, kind of lame things. Uh, I think that they're a very short sided company. I, I I am curious to what everything's gonna look like 15 years from now for all of the platforms. But at the end of the day, right now, that formula works for Sony. And I'm not saying I want every Xbox game to copy that third-person action adventure thing. But man, it would be cool if a couple of them did. Because we have Indiana Jones as first person, which is fine. It's machine games. That's what they do. I trust them to make a really good game in that experience, no doubt. But then we're also going to have Perfect Dark, which I believe that's rumored as a first person game too. And Joanna Dark, the Perfect Dark series... I'm sorry, but you just can't convince me that that isn't the perfect way to kind of reboot that franchise, make it this third-person action-adventure game, make it this big, cinematic, exciting, single-player experience that, in some ways, Xbox kind of lacks. Xbox does great with having live service games in its first party, with having first-person shooters, and with having, especially with ABK now, they just, I think it would be okay If they sampled the PlayStation formula once in a while. And I think Indiana Jones would have been perfect for that, especially because it's Indiana Jones. And I know that there's the little interludes when you're doing some activities where it will pull back and show him in third person. I didn't think that looked great, personally. I think if you're going to do it, go all in or don't, but that's just my opinion. But it's fine. It it looked good. Um, The cinematics they showed, I thought, looked really good. Um, They still, they had like a weird, they were very detailed and the animations were good. I think it was all thrown off by this whole presentation was rendered at like 24 FPS. It was very strange. It was very choppy. And I need to go back and watch it again because I did notice that my PC was struggling with something. I couldn't figure it out. So there's a possibility that maybe it was just my side absolutely possible um but it just it was interesting it looked very very good um but it was like, had like no ui in the gameplay segments and things like that and it's coming out later this year um it it, it just it looked like a game that was going to be out like next year with some of the things that they were showing and such but apparently not it's coming soon Um, There were so many people who seemed genuinely excited about this. I'm not very connected to that franchise. So I'm just like, okay, cool. I'll check it out. Um, But I'm not like a diehard Indiana Jones fan. I think that's part of my kind of lower key excitement for it. But it looks like it's going to be a big cinematic experience. And I'm down for that. That sounds really fun. Um, Overall, uh, I think this was a really good show. I I saw some people saying like, this was an A plus show. I would say in presentation it's about as good as these shows get um it's always kind of funny that uh, like the nintendo shows are like they're awkward but they're fine um the playstation directs that they do i think they're typically abysmal they they're just weirdly paced and kind of odd and they tend to only really show up for like one game and it's just like a weird um for how good they do they just do so many things badly. It's very odd, but, you know, they don't care if they have a bad direct. They uh, <laughs> will sell twice as many consoles, right? But this X- Xbox does a lot of the things right, you know. And um, when it comes to presentation, I thought this was an A+. With content, I thought it was like a solid like B+. Uh, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So, um, to kind of add one little bit onto this after the show... Uh, information came out about Hellblade 2. And uh, that info was is that it was going to be a digital-only game. They weren't planning on doing any, doing any physical release. It's going to be $50 or $49.99 USD. And it's only expected to be about the same length as the first game. Now, I will say that when I played the first game, uh, I think I did it in 2019 after my daughter was born. It's a game I'm fairly certain I played through that xbox companion app on my laptop where i played it like streamed it from my console to my laptop It's a thing they've been doing for a long t- time even though it's more talked about now um and i remember when i finished it i wasn't thinking like man this that was too short i just remember kind of like final boss battle and the music and the way the game ends it was fine so i don't really care that it's not gonna be some 40 hour epic um with with the with the fidelity it looks like they're going for and stuff it kind of looks like it's meant to be a smaller experience from this team we still aren't really under the impression that ninja theory is this big gigantic you know naughty dog or santa monica sony santa monica size studio it seems like they're still kind of small and Still kind of like an indie studio that just happens to be owned by Microsoft. And you can kind of say that about a lot of the studios under them, at least outside of Bethesda and Activision. So on one hand, I'm fine with that. It's cheaper. You know, it's going to be part of Game Pass anyways, and it's still going to be probably eight to ten hours is my guess. I saw people being like, oh, it's only going to be like four hours. Like, no, it's come on. Like, don't be silly. I will say. The, the part of me that's disappointed about that is I, I kind of did want it to be that big epic. Um, I really want Hellblade to be like Xbox's God of War. And it seems like that's not what they're shooting for. And that's fine. Because I am personally still stuck in this idea of like, well, like Xbox needs their Last of Us and Xbox needs their God of War and as time is going on it's starting to become pretty obvious that i don't think that's how xbox is thinking i think xbox is thinking like hey we just need games out and we need them to be made by these studios and we and they need to be good they they need to put out good games and if their prerogative is to make a 10-hour action adventure game that's like super super really really well made and beautiful and well voice acted and has a great story and the combat, the combat does look improved. Now we've only seen like what they've shown us, uh, but they even talked about it a fair, a fair bit during their part of the direct, where they really focused on trying to make the combat. They didn't come out and say it. The combat of the first game, I liked it actually, but it it was pretty simple, and so they they seem to be implying that they really focused on the combat in the second game, and it seems like it you know there's there's gonna it's gonna be you know more visceral, maybe more involved and things like that um but yeah like so i i do wish that this hellblade was gonna be like xbox's like you know like 25 hour like epic huge story and it was gonna go across all these places and it was really gonna showcase the series x and and what an xbox studio can do and it's still going to do that it's just gonna be on a smaller scale i just like you know some of the feedback i saw people being like well you know they've been making this game for like six seven years like How did it, I don't don't think it's been that long. I I guess it has been, yeah, it's been about seven years since the first one came out. So they really probably worked on this for like five years. But what I don't think people realize is I think Ninja Theory is making three games right now. Um, Hellblade 2, which is their like traditional game. There's some kind of like horror experience that they've kind of teased and we don't really know what it is. And then there, I think there was another game that's supposed to be, like, about, like, mental health and stuff. And it's maybe more of, like, a like an educational tool, it seemed like, the last time we saw it, which I think was a couple years ago. Um, and it's not meant to be, like, a traditional game. So, you know, you, you remember that the studio doesn't seem like it's really this big, gigantic, powerhouse AAA studio. And that they're working on three separate projects. I'm sure Hellblade's their main focus, but, you know more than one project does distract you and so yeah i'm fine with it i'm excited to play it no matter what i i am a little bummed though that it's not going to be this big epic that maybe we hoped it was gonna be um there's always the chance for dlc and things like that i'm kind of not counting on that though if i have to be totally honest so and that's fine we will uh we'll persevere i'm sure uh indiana jones and avowed will uh give us plenty of uh playtime. Uh, There wasn't, as far as I could tell, any big PlayStation or Nintendo news of note this week, so I don't have much for that. Uh, We did have a kind of interesting story. The rest of these are weird smattering, so this is probably not going to be the longest episode, which I will talk about at the end. Uh, Take-Two filed a lawsuit against Remedy over their logo. (laughs) So both of these companies use like an R logo. And so that hit the presses, that hit the stories. And then like a day later, they both came out being like, yeah, this is just like a formality and we're not fighting over the logo. I I tried to look more into it and none of it really made any sense to me either. I'm dumb, which is absolutely possible, especially if you look at the YouTube comments of some of my recent videos, um, or it's just kind of like a weird nonsensical thing and, uh, they're just gonna move on. And that's what I plan on doing too, with this story. Uh, another kind of interesting thing that happened this week was uh, uh, an Ubisoft developer uh, did an interview talking about, uh, in the headlines, we're all talking about Ubisoft wants you get used to not owning your games. Now, what the interview was actually about, if you read it, the, the portrayal of it was pretty bad. Uh, and, and a lot of the journalists and uh, the, the various news sites ran with the, the misinterpreted part of it which sucks because they were just wrong (laughs) but they don't care we've learned that um in the interview he was talking about subscription services and how you know people are going to get used to not owning games who were part of subscription services he wasn't necessarily you know specifically commenting on game ownership at all you know but what what was really funny to to me about it were there were so many takes uh from people who didn't watch, you know, or read the interview uh, about this ownership thing. Like, yeah, I'm never going to not own my games. And what's so funny about that to me is that if you buy your games through steam, if you buy them on any of the console platforms, if you buy them on the EA launcher on PC, uh, the Ubisoft connect, the, any of those places, you don't own your games. Let me make this very clear. I did a whole video about it that came out earlier today. I'm recording this on Friday. You don't own your games. Read your end user license agreement. You don't own them. And you wanna know how I know that? Look up EA account ban. Look up Steam account ban. Look up Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo account bans so you know say you have like i'll I'll talk about myself i think i've had my steam account my current one since 2016 which is really a bummer 2012 i think which is really annoying because i know i had an account the day they released steam so it was like 2004 2005 or something Uh, i don't know what happened to that account and it's probably attached to an email address i haven't logged into in 20 years and i really hate that that's probably true but like you need to like like. There's been instances of people who had a decade plus of games on one of these services, and did something that broke their rules, their terms of service, and they got banned from that account. The account got shut down, and you don't get a refund for your games. Those games are all gone. So people who have these Steam libraries, who have dozens, if not hundreds, of games in them, especially over the years, you, you don't own those games because. They can just take it away from you. If their services are down, you don't get to play them, right? Same with EA Play or whatever their launcher is. Same with Xbox, same with Sony. Those places, they can all take it away from you. Or the other ex- the other part of this is, say, you know, uh, Test Drive. Ubisoft is going to shut that game servers down. You won't be able to play that game anymore. They're going to delist it. You paid for that game, you know, like a decade ago. But you won't be able to play that after they take it down, Right? Uh, a good example I give, because of the community I tend to have, is The Division. The Division 1 and 2 will one day be unplayable. You might be able to log in, but probably not. They're probably going to delist it. You might be able to like get to the login screen, but it's not going to do anything. Because one day they will shut the servers down at Ubisoft for The the Division 1 and then The Division 2. And whatever games they come out later, assuming they keep the same style of game right same with destiny specifically with the division though like people don't know that a lot of modern games a lot of people don't know that many modern games um aren't running completely on your hardware whether it's your console or your pc Um, a game like the division uh outsources it's the ai Uh, what the ai does the ai you know you know they're Uh, behaviors and stuff get streamed in from the server to your device Uh, if you ever know this and the way that you can see this is if you ever get disconnected from the server all of the ai in the division just stops they're still there you can shoot them they'll still react because their models are there they're being rendered on your computer or your console so your console knows they're there and will act like they're there but when they get shot they won't die because the signal isn't going out and then back from the server to tell it they were killed. They won't move around because the server's not telling them to move anymore. They won't make barks and they won't do other stuff. You know, things won't happen because the server's not telling the game anything anymore. And because so much of the game depends on that information coming from the server that's been offboarded off of your hardware to make, you know, the division one couldn't have worked if, if your if your console had to do the AI, it would have just burned apart. It would have died. There's also multiplayer reasons for this, which is a whole different conversation, but just realize that in the middle of this conversation, you don't own your games for the most part. Maybe there's still games now. I'm sure, I think like GOG is really big with you actually download the EXE, the executable file to your computer and you can run it straight from there. There's no other, there's nothing, you don't need anything else it's on there you can just play it and and i know with steam and stuff like it you know, i i get it i'm just saying that i don't think as many people own their games as think they do and a lot of the commentary i saw in this story made it really obvious to me that people for various reasons have no idea that they don't own their games anymore so just something to think about Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has had some craziness lately. So, uh, in the last week or so, a bunch of uh, previews came out for the game. Uh, they weren't great. These are all from like IGNs and all the GameSpot, all the big uh, news, corp- news corporations or news websites for gaming. Um, and so, I, I think they Rocksteady pulled a pretty interesting move. Um, they've been doing these nda alpha tests and beta tests, in the lead up to this game coming out and they just basically said hey all those ndas don't worry about it talk about the game if you want to and people did and as we've seen a lot lately you know the critics had one opinion and when i read through some of those articles it was critics are so odd and and they're just humans and so they have weird opinions and it's fine people can get fixated on weird stuff but like some of the previews if you read them they would kind of talk about, like, yeah, the gameplay's fine, but, like, I don't like that they did this thing that really... It's, like, such a weird thing to knock a game for because they're not doing this thing that you expected that they never implied they would do. We see this all the time. And so it was really fascinating seeing all of these uh, consumer experiences come in from the testers and be pretty glowing, be pretty positive, but just all of the previews being just, like, just obliterating this game and um i have a feeling this is going to be one of those ones where it's going to get like a 60 metacritic score and have like an 85 like a uh, you know public ranking or, or whatever user ranking which is fine i mean that just means it'll probably sell pretty well despite not having a great metacritic score um but you know we're seeing this a lot lately i um I've I'm becoming extremely 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 and I don't like it, but I'm becoming like very very, um, just kind of tired of hearing um, a, a lot of the like big publications and content creators, uh, and the journalists from those publications. Just like it, it's just starting to feel like more often than not, the opinions expressed by these places don't seem like a person who was came into this with like like with like a good intention it almost always just it so often feels like people are coming into these previews and reviews and stuff especially at these big websites with like i'm gonna air this up like i I, i'm not gonna like this and i'm gonna let everyone know and i'm gonna use a fairly big platform to do that and you know content creators i kind of get it especially people who it's like their job you gotta get clicks you gotta make money you gotta get views and so you do what you gotta do the journalist side is more interesting to me, and, I, and I've talked about it a fair amount lately. But I think one of my biggest peeves is that it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, and I'm happy to be, but it seems like there's so few like trained journalists left in gaming coverage, uh, where you know people who went to like college uh, for like journalism and learned how to investigate stories and write articles effectively and things like that. Uh, or people who just maybe started off working for a local newspaper and learned how to do those things as well Um, to me it seems like so many of the writers for all of these big review websites now are just like content creators with notepad on their computer like you know there's so little like objective talking going on and uh, or subjective talking it's everything feels so objective and um hold on everything feels so subjective there's not enough objective speak. That's why I was getting that. And, and that's, that's frustrating because, of course, I want to hear the opinions of a reviewer or a previewer or whatever. But I also want to have at least some feeling that they went into it objectively and were like, you know, something I say fairly often. Like, I didn't care for this game uh, because it's just not my thing. But from like an objective point of view, I think people who are into this type of game are going to love this. Because it does those things so well, even though it's not my thing. I just don't think you see that very much anymore. And it's, to me, because they need clicks. And if you've been involved in content creation, or if you just consume enough stuff, the simple fact is, and, and I don't think it's even arguable at this point, that negativity sells. And negativity is better for these news websites, content creators, and all of that. It, it's just, it seems like it's always better. I think it creates an awful community. I think it leads to short-term gain and long-term failure because those people just don't stay engaged because they always want you to up your criticism. But that's kind of, at least where I feel like we're at. And, and that really sucks. You know, um, I think that it's a real bummer because, um, it, it's almost like it's, you're not allowed to be excited about things or, or be pleased with things anymore unless the whole group think agrees you know um i i'm curious um to to how things um to how things go so i um i'll be i'm very interested to see how suicide squad reviews i think it's going to review badly but then i think it's going to have really good user reviews and it's going to sell surprisingly well so We'll see. Related to Rocksteady, their uh, founders have started a new studio called 100 Star Games. This will be a thing we hear about again in like five years when they have a game ready to release. So still kind of interesting to see kind of the the OG founders of this pretty legendary studio who's maybe on some rough times um, to see what they're going to do with a with a new project. Um, Elden Ring appears to have some DLC coming very soon. Uh, the people who, I guess, there's people who like monitor everything that happens on the back end of Steam, and due to that, they noticed a new entry that was put in back on the 10th of January, uh, having something to do with some something new for Elden Ring. So, very likely they're going to be announcing uh, DLC soon. If we get a PlayStation. Um, showcase or something coming up in the next month or so I would assume it gets announced there Uh, the final story today is pal world a uh, people keep calling it a pokemon uh, copy it's really it is a little bit it's more of like arc the arc big open world survival game with like some pokemon stuff thrown into it Um, and the pokemon who are called pals have guns when you upgrade them enough it's an interesting game i've been watching uh streams on it quite a bit because it is kind of fun to watch and in the first like 12 hours it was released today out of early access it had over a million units sold i believe that was just on steam so it's one of those weird little games that is gonna have this big blow up and even if it's only for a week or two those developers are going to profit from that, and that's really cool, and hopefully it means that they can invest more into the game and secure the future of their studio and um, just give some guns to your pal, I guess. Uh, before I get into listener questions, I just want to talk about the the content a little bit. If you uh, are on my YouTube, you'll notice this week I kind of experimented with uh, three short videos, so uh, videos around five or six minutes max, where I present a story that's going on and then give my take on it. But I try not to drone on too much. I try to keep it fairly uh, short and simple. Um, I want to try that, uh, for the next month or so. Um, and then if any of the videos hit really big and there's lots of good conversation then I may swing back around and do a bigger video in reference to that, uh, to expand on it. Um, obviously if there's a video where i really want to dig into something and really rant or talk for a long time i'm still going to do that but i really think that um maybe doing those you know less often uh, but getting more videos out that are still giving my take on things and giving out some news is how i want to do this and it'll likely help grow the channel a bit so be on the lookout for those and go check out the ones i posted this week and then uh, it's a similar story with the podcast. Um, I'm going to try to keep the podcast between 30 and 40 minutes from here on out for the most part. Um, unless, again, we have some big thing I really want to dig into. Uh, solo podcasts are not super popular. The gaming news uh, you know, genre is hilariously huge and overburdened. And so I'm fighting two uphill battles with that. So I think by making shorter, more digestible shows, I can be that to people. Maybe they aren't looking for the two hour podcasts in that moment. They're looking for a good 30 minutes and that's what I'm going to try to be for the most part. Again, we'll have some longer shows, uh, but I, I really plan on kind of sticking with this. So let me know what you think in the discord or in the YouTube comments or over on my social media. Uh, I am curious to get your take. Let's move into listener questions. If you have your own question for sure to ask in my discord in the YouTube comments or hit me up over on Twitter at bond diesel or at the bonfire. I also post a forms, uh, link where you can go to uh, a Google form and submit feedback or ask questions or suggest topics uh those are found in my discord i posted on my twitter it's everywhere so be sure to check that out this week we have the illustrious Master Prime 901 uh, first question how much will baldur's gate 3 and starfield influence the next mass effect pretty massively <laughs> uh pun intended um but seriously um it's funny uh someone on reddit uh like six months ago, I made a comment. Mind you, this is before Baldur's Gate 3, I think. Uh, and obviously Starfield came out. I believe it was on the Mass Effect subreddit where, where people were like, you know, some, talking about something, Baldur's Gate 3 influencing the next Mass Effect. And I was like, well, if you think about it, they're like, like Starfield's probably going to influence the next Mass Effect just as much, if not more than Baldur's Gate. Um, then those two games came out. I still kind of feel that way. Obviously, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is going to impact every game for the next, you know, 20 years uh, in some capacity. But I still think Starfield, for good or bad, is going to really heavily influence Mass Effect. Um, because whether people want to believe it or not, Starfield actually did a bunch of things really well. Um, and did some things not so well. And so both of those should be taken as lessons for any future game in a sh- similar setting and genre and things like that, which I assume Mass Effect will be. Um, But yeah, so someone commented on that, basically making fun of me uh, about saying that like six months ago, like they, like just like in the last week. (laughs) And so kind of weird. I assume, I don't know. I don't know how you stumble upon something that old, but here we are. But I still believe that. I really do believe that. um, I still think that what Baldur's Gate 3 was, was kind of a flash in the pan and something kind of unique um even for larian obviously they have the divinity of original sin games but those never blew up and that's for a reason they're they're good people seem to like them but they aren't Baldur's gate 3 and you know and and there's a really good chance their next game won't be Baldur's gate 3 either it's just you know it's all about timing it's all about luck it's all about you know good direction things like that anyways um I i think they're gonna have huge impacts um Because the next Mass Effect is almost certainly going to be something kind of new, kind of different than what we've had from that franchise before, but set in that franchise, set in that world. Uh, Because if they just try to make the trilogy again, it's not going to work. Those games are really old and they're fun to go back and play. And the Legendary Edition is great, but it needs to be a modern game. And that's where I'm curious to see how they're going to handle that. Second question is, do you uh, think this generation of consoles will be shorter than the previous one? I think the generations are dead and I don't mean that the way Sony did when they lied about that because they did a bunch of cross gen games and they acted like they weren't going to. What I mean is that I don't think we're going to see Sony and Xbox release a next gen console like really close to each other again. Um, I think we're going to have a next gen quote unquote Xbox fairly soon. And we're not going to have a ps6 for like four or five more years because they're about to release a mid-gen that's going to be a little more powerful supposedly and xbox probably isn't but it's likely in my opinion from everything we've seen and just my speculation that i bet we see a upgraded like a like a new xbox in the next like two or three years because i think xbox is going to try to get out of that rat race with playstation because they they're losing it they lose it every time that 360 had an early lead, but I still think it ended up losing it. And they're they're just, you know, it's weird because and I've talked about this a lot, so I won't talk about it too much again, but all of the platforms are going such different directions and specifically Sony and Microsoft are so interesting because Sony really, 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 cares about selling consoles. It's their seems like it's their main prerogative. Um, even though they, i think they said they are making money on them it's probably not very much um but that's what they care about that's why they don't put their games on pc for years that's you know that, that's why they you know do remasters of games that are three years old you know they, they they really try to feed that you know that audience to get them to buy as many of those consoles as possible where microsoft seems like they i'm sure they love to sell their consoles and they would love to outsell playstation i'm sure But it seems like they're more coming at it from a, hey, here's a place you can play our games or you can get on PC or the Series S or the Series X or your TV or your phone or this place or that place. Again, they still want to sell consoles, obviously, but they seem, it doesn't seem like it's their main prerogative in the same way it does with Sony. So I really believe we're going to see Xbox try to get out of that cadence with Sony and just continue to kind of separate and go their own ways as much as people will still try to talk about them in the same breath. And uh, then last what game is coming out of your library this year? I assume like my backlog is what you were probably meaning. I need to finish Alan Wake 2. Um that there's just so many there were so many games last year I never like completely finished finished um i don't know i can't think of anything big i do want to try to replay andromeda uh, mass effect on my pc so it can be at a not like 24 fps um so that'd be cool uh but we'll we'll have to wait and see so if you're listening to this you know what game are you gonna play from your back catalog this year Uh, and if your answer is probably none of them then i concur Thank you, Master Prime, for the question. Again, if you have any of your own, please get them to me. I would love to answer them or talk about them. And that's where we're going to wrap this thing up. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And please consider participating in the next show by submitting a question or comment in the Discord or on the show's Google form or the other places I talked about. You can find me all over the Internet as Bond Diesel, including over on Twitch or YouTube, where I do stream a few times a week and I post videos a few times a week, including this podcast and my Mass Effect podcast. To see my other content or find ways to support everything I do, please check out the link in the description below. You can find merch, you can find my social media, you can find all kinds of stuff, including the other podcast and my Twitch and my YouTube. So, check them out. That is all I have for this one. So, until next time.